So now please turn your Bibles to the book of Malachi, the last book of the Bible, the, the Old Testament. And we'll be, we'll be reading the last portion of this book. Malachi chapter 3, verse 17, all the way through to the end of the book. If you're using the Church Bibles, it's on page 970. Malachi chapter 3, verse 17. Sorry, verse 13. All the way through to the end of the book. So now please pay attention to this precious word of our Lord. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed evildoers. Not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that, they that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the soul, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the sole of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Amen. This is the word of our Lord. So now please turn with me again to the last part of the book of Malachi, which we'll be reading this morning. So this morning we want to continue our exploration of this book of Malachi today, and we will finally see a conclusion of this book this morning. In the preceding sermons, we learned that this book of Malachi begins with a, with a divine declaration of God's love for his people. The Lord says in chapter 1, verse 2, 
I have loved you. I have loved you. And this declaration of God's love serves sort of as, a, as the heart of this book. The Lord has always loved Israel in the past. He still loves them in, at this point, and he will always love them forever. But at the same time, we've been seeing a troubling trend within this book. God's people and their worship are beginning to drift away. Despite the hope-filled events of the book of Haggai, and after several decades later, they, they falter once again. Today's passage also commences with God pointing out the error of his, of, of his people, which is met with a regrettable response from the people. Chapter 3, verse 13 opens up with the Lord saying, Your words have been hard against me. But you say, How have we spoken against you? Well, we have been seeing throughout this book that the people have actually been responding the Lord with, with hard words. When God said, I have loved you, they responded, Really? How have you loved us? When God said, You are not showing me the proper respect I deserve as your father, the people said, What is the problem? We are, we are still bringing you all the sacrifices you asked for. When God said, be faithful in your marriage relationship, they, they answered, it doesn't matter how we live in, in our personal lives. God told them what is good and evil looked like and, and instruct them, instructed them to pursue justice. But, but they responded with the word saying, where is this God of justice? There is no difference between those who do, who do what is right and, and those who are evil. When God said, bring the whole tithe, tithe in, into, into the storehouse so that the priests and the Levites can be provided for and, and, and the poor fed, they said, what is the use of such obedience? Serving God really doesn't pay off. Evildoers are better off than, than we are. People mock God and, and get away with all, all the time, get away with, with it all the time. So why should we give generously? Indeed, these are hard words against God. We've been seeing the people really answering against God the, with these hard words. And today's passage presents another grievance from the people as they witness the prosperity of those who don't honor God in their world. Verse 14 asserts, It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or, or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we, we call the arrogant, blessed, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Brothers and sisters, in the, at the beginning, we, we want to question ourselves. Are we having a similar mindset 
towards our God? Are we uttering these hard words to him? Not, not openly, perhaps, but in the depth of our heart. Well, truly, we, we, well, well, for example, let us, let us, let us consider this, this word of the people. Well, we do observe such wicked people, godless people, in pride and in, 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 in arrogance in our own time. Well, this may be particularly evident in, in Japan, where, where I'm from, where Christianity is a very small minority, and, and most people really do not believe in the true God. Many people around us seem to, to really prosper without fearing the true Lord. And when we see, when we as, as Japanese Christians see such people thriving, we do feel conflicted at, point, at, at, at times. Especially when, when we are in the midst of hardship, we may forget how much of a blessing it is for us to live by our faith. And we end up finding ourselves thinking like those who don't believe in God seems to seem to be happier than us. Or our faith really does not really matter. But for us living in such circumstances, today's passage gives us hope and confidence in our God's faithfulness towards us, even towards us, the sinners, who are so weak and vulnerable, who often answer to our God with, with such words, with such hard words. Firstly, it is important for us to acknowledge that this passage addresses two distinctive groups of people. The first group comprises those, the, those who are speaking hard words against God. Malachi employs the, the generic you to refer to this group. But, but we notice that there is another group of people in today's passage. If you look at verse 16, there are those who feared the Lord. And they spoke with one, an one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And, a, and even a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Today's passage really underscores the contrast between these two groups of people. One group is righteous, while the other is wicked. Some people serve the Lord, while others do not. And this is sort of like the fundamental fault line that divides the whole humanity in two. And it is also the essential division that the Lord affirmed at the, at the beginning of, of this book when he said, I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. The love of God is placed unto those who fear him. And those people were chosen by our Lord. And furthermore, these two groups of people face very different ends. The wicked will face God's judgment. 
if you look at first, um, the first verse of chapter 4, from here, Malachi talks about God's judgment. God's judgment will burn like a fire in, in, a, in a furnace set to consume the sinners. And God declares clearly that, that such a day is coming. In the previous passage, the, the people questioned by saying, where, where is the God of judgment? And proposed, you, you can do evil and prosper. You can even test God and you can escape. But God here asserts that sinners will be judged and that day of judgment will surely come. The description of, of God's judgment is also found in, in chapter 3. And, and, and we must understand from, from these, these verses that, that, that God's judgment is, is, is true and it is so serious. No one can withstand this judgment. Sinners will never escape this judgment. They will be burned. They, they, will, be, they will all be burned leaving no root or branch. However, those who fear the Lord will be given a very different outcome. The Lord will pay attention to them. And the book of remembrance is written for them. Just as a king maintains accurate records of his people's deeds so that he can properly reward, reward acts of faithfulness, God recognizes the faithfulness of these righteous people. And as a result, he declares that this group of people are truly his treasured possession. His treasured possession. The Hebrew word for, for this, this phrase is segula. And this is a very significant and unique word in the Bible. This word literally means a private hoard of, of treasure. And, and, and this word is employed to, to describe God's intimate and his very unique relationship with his people when he, 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 ma he made his covenant at Mount Sinai, Sinai in Exodus 19. In Exodus 19 verses 5 and 6 we read, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession, Segula, among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Moses. God made his covenant with the Israelites so that they would become this, a tre his treasured possession. And, and back to Malachi. Those who fear the Lord speak to one another, and they honor his name. And, and, they, and the Lord hears them, and blessings are given to them. As verse 17 speaks, they will be recognized as God's people, and will be spared by God as a man spares his son. This is really a wonderful picture. When we, when we confront difficult circumstances around us, 
when we see the wicked thriving in our world, our response should not be to despise our God or, or to insult our God. Instead, we ought to fear him. Just as the psalmist of, of Psalm 37, which we've, we've just sung, has, has done, we ought to fear him. We need to place our trust in our Lord. And for those who trust in him, God will hear, hear us and, and, and claim us as, as his own. God will consider us his treasured possession. And he will treat us with the affection and care of a father. It's, it's, it's one of the very... Uh, very few passages in the Old Testament which which speaks about God as 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 the people's father. But but here in the Old Testament, even God's affection is described as 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 the love of of a father, who who loves his own children. And yet there is another piece of good news in, in today's passage. Malachi does not merely assert that there are two groups of, groups of people in this world, the righteous and the wicked, and that a day is coming when, when, when the difference between them will be fully revealed. Malachi also points us to what God is doing in the meantime. Prior to the arrival of the Day of Judgment, God is already at work among us, transforming our hard hearts and words into convicted hearts and words of confession and repentance. God is at work among the hard-hearted people and the lost. God is transforming them into his own beloved children, his treasured possession, the genuine people of God. Brothers and sisters, we, we must remember that we were once on the side of the wicked ones. There, and there was nothing in ourselves that made us righteous in the eyes of the Lord. It was only by God's grace alone that he chose us and granted us healing. We are healed from our sins solely by God's grace. We would, be, we would be hopeless if God says you, you should somehow become righteous by, by yourselves, by yourself. You should come to this, this second group of people by yourself. No, but no, that, that's not the case. The Lord already set up a means for us to come to become, to be, be part of the second group of people. For us, the son of righteousness will rise, the, the today's passage speaks. This imagery is, is, I think, one of the most beautiful illustrations in all of scriptures, in, in all of scripture. This term, the son of righteousness, it is unique in, in, in the book of Malachi. And actually only found here in Malachi chapter 4. But a similar expression actually appears in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 
chapter 62. Let me read the first five verses of Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your, your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. In this passage of Isaiah, God speaks of the blessing that come with the restoration of Jerusalem. And in and, and, and first two verses, it is stated that the restored Jerusalem will shine with the light of righteousness like a morning sun, and their salvation will burn like a torch. And they will be a crown of beauty, a treasured possession in the hand of the Lord. And, 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 and the righteousness and salvation described in this Isaiah passage that comes from God himself is, is, is exactly what Malachi calls the son of righteousness in today's passage. The righteousness from the Lord God is the hope expressed in Malachi. And it is the fulfillment of God's declaration of love. I have loved you. Even in the midst of the judgment, which is also given by God, it is his righteousness that empowers us to stand with confidence before the Lord. It is not righteousness inherent in our, ourselves, but righteousness received from God that enables us to leap like cows even in the day of, on the day of judgment. Additionally, this son of righteousness has wings, according to today's passage. And the word wings also appears to carry a special meaning in the Bible. Exodus 19 verse 4 reads, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And later in the New Testament, Matthew 23 37 Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her, broad, her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. So, so we can see from these verses that the imagery of wings in the Bible symbolizes the salvation and in protection God provides to his covenant people. While sinners are consumed in his judgment, those who fear God are illuminated 
by the sun of righteousness, and, and they are healed under the protective cover of the sun's wings. And of course, this imagery of the sun with wings reminds us of the coming Messiah, who actually came to this world as the light of the world. As we were reminded last week in our communion season, it is through Jesus' righteousness and his atonement that we are also declared righteousness, uh, declared righteous, and our sins are forgiven before the Lord. And also, Jesus comes to execute final judgment upon all mankind as the burning fire that consumes everything. No one can withstand this judgment. Yet, Jesus also came as the light to illuminate our blind eyes and darkened hearts. Through his sacrifice, we are healed, and through his righteousness, we too are made righteous. And again, none of these were, were contributed to by, by anything on, on our part. It was purely by God's grace alone. And therefore, we should be grateful that we now belong to this, this second group of people, those who fear the Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the connection between today's passage and Jesus is also evident from the last two verses of today's passage. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 read, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of, decree of utter destruction. The prophecy here about Elijah the prophet who will come is actually fulfilled by John the Baptist, according to Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus says, This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those, who, among those born of women, there has, there has arisen no more greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, prophesied un until John, and, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, as many of you know, Elijah was in many respects one of the most significant prophets active during the Old Testament times. He was one of the prophets who turned people from idolatry, as evidenced in, in his famous confrontation with the prophets of, of Baal on, on Mount Carmel. Elijah and John the Baptist and, and, and the other prophets, including Malachi, in a sense, all had the task of preparing the way for the coming of the true Messiah, who would appear among David's descendants. They were all called to turn the people's heart towards God, 
and towards the coming Messiah. Yet there is another interesting thing to observe in these last verses. The book of Malachi ends with a reference to, to destruction of the Lord. And it is also true in the original um, Hebrew Bible, um, and, and, and it's very older. The word destruction in verse 6 appears at the very end of this book. So, so the, basically it is referring to, to the, the event when the Israelites were instructed to devote the people of Canaan to destruction during the time of Moses and Joshua. And it was, of course, a type of, of God's judgment, which also indicates that, that God never overlooks sin. He eventually destroys the sinners in his judgment. As, as we have explored in, in the adult class, the, this book of Malachi is the last book in, in our, our Bible, in, in the modern Bible, and actually in the original Hebrew um, Old Testament. It is the concluding book of the prophets, the, the Nebiim section of the Bible. But it, I think it is significant that, that the book of Malachi ends with the word destruction. Actually, some later manuscripts of, of Malachi seem, seems to try to avoid um, this ending by, by changing the order of, of, of the verses, or even um, some manuscripts repeat the uh, verses 4 and 5, which, is, which, which has, of course, a more positive um, message um, at the end of the book. However, the original ending of, of this, this book of Malachi, the, the ending of the, the Nevi'im of the Bible, I think the word destruction really points to the need of a Messiah for the people. Because by the time of Malachi, it was really becoming clearer that that Messiah, that the Messiah was, was finally coming. And as we, as, we, as we see from the prophecy of John the Baptist, the time of Christ's coming is finally approaching in history at this point, signifying that the, also the end days are drawing near to them. And here we see an important contrast between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The final book of the, the New Testament, the book of Revelation, speaks about the judgment of the last days. And in, in Revelation's concluding chapters, the book refers to the coming of the Son, Jesus Christ, and, and, and the fully realized new heaven and new earth. Let me read the few verses from, from Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the, for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, 
and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And then uh, skipping a few verses, Revelation 22, 16 reads, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. In these verses, Jesus is portrayed as the Lamb of God and the root of David, and most of all, the bright morning star. And because this Lamb will illuminate the city of God, the completed new heaven and new earth will no longer require the sun or the moon. There will be no more curses. And, and here lies a striking contrast between today's passage and, and Revelation. Through Jesus Christ, the true Messiah, who the prophets repeatedly pointed to and prepared the way for, we are recognized as righteous in the midst of judgment and brought into our eternal life. And this is exactly the outcome of our justification through Jesus' cross and resurrection. As Malachi phrases it, the Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, the bright morning star, has established true righteousness, which is now imputed to earth, us. Through faith in Jesus Christ, those who believe in him are united to him and can partake of his righteousness. So we can see here a consistency of the whole Old and New Testament. And, and actually the correspondence between the book of Malachi and the book of Revelation is very clear. It is precisely because of the presence of Jesus Christ was our intercessor, our mediator of the covenant between God and man. It is in Jesus Christ that we find hope instead of despair in the judgment in, of the end. Instead of destruction, we can partake of the water of life that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Righteousness, the bright morning star, gives us. And finally, we want to consider a little bit more about the, the application of, of today's passage in our daily life because a clear di directive to us is given in verse 4 of chapter 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I command him at Horeb for all Israel. I think this command is a really simple one, but yet, yet, yet very crucial, not just for the people during Malachi's time, but for, for all of God's people across all ages, of course, including us living today. The term remember calls us to really take it to our heart, to live in accordance with it. Horeb, another name for Mount Sinai, reminds us of when, when God gave the law through Moses again in Exodus 19, from, from, starting from Exodus 19. And the command to remember the law of God was repeated really over and over again to the people of God 
for, for instance, in, in Deuteronomy. And, and this verse is a fitting climax, I think, to this book of Malachi. Because the procl proclamation of God's love, I have loved you, at the beginning of this book, really builds up to also to this verse. The law of God, the law, may seem like a, like a strict set of rules to us. And indeed, no one can truly obey the law perfectly. But instead, the law rather exposes our own sin. Certainly, this aspect is present in the law. But, but we need to also remember that this issue arises due to sin on our part. It is crucial for us to remember that the law is also a manifestation of God's love towards us. The law is given by God as a means for us to love him in response to his own love. The law stands as a manifestation of God's covenant love and through the law we also love God in response. We so easily respond to God's manifestation of love by questioning, how have, have, have you loved us? And for us, this reminder to remember God's law is really important because we can understand how the Lord loves us most of all through his law. And we can also learn how we should respond to God's love. The command, this command, remember the law of Moses, may seem like a, like a matter of course, especially to those who, who have been believers or, 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 or Christians for, for a long time. But this was also the case for the people during Malachi's era. Whether it was when the book of the law was discovered under, under King Josiah, or, or when the people returned from the captivity and were led by Ezra, the Bible tells us that the law was recited before the people. For instance, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we read that the people rejoiced greatly when they comprehended the teachings, teachings of the law as recited by Ezra. Yet, they found themselves once again questioning God during Malachi's time, asking where is the God of judgment? See, we, we tend to fall into the same kind of mistake. And therefore, for us as well, this command to remember the law of Moses should be always remain fresh in our minds. God has not abandoned us, but has remained faithful to the covenant he has given us. As prophesied by, by Malachi and other prophets, Jesus Christ the Messiah has come as the fulfillment of that covenant, completing the work of redemption for us. And through Jesus Christ, we are once again called to live according to the law of God as his people. For us, that this phrase, this, this command, remember the law of my servant Moses, has a, has a new significance. Instead of just obeying the Lord and instead of memorizing the law under, under like, like the compulsion that, that we may perish if we do not obey it. No, we, we, we do it as the redeemed people who are justified, already justified 
by Jesus Christ. We, we are called to follow and, and obey the law to the best of our ability as a means to love our God. And this aligns with the original blessing of the law given to us as God's people. Of course, we cannot live this we, we cannot live this out flawlessly as the effects of our sins still reside within us. Nevertheless, we should trust in God, who consistently declares, I have loved you. And aim to remember the law as a concrete means of love that he has prepared for us. As followers of Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, the bright morning star, let us commence reflecting on his words. Let us commence our, our new week by reflecting again on this word. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Amen. O oh God, our Father, we give you thanks for your precious word. Father, thank you again for reminding us of your love to us. Father, thank you for being always faithful to your covenant you have made with us. And most of us, most of all, Father, thank you for, for sending us your Son, Jesus Christ, as the, the bright morning star, the Son of Righteousness. Father, thank you that Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law to fulfill his righteousness, which is also now imputed to us as we place our, our trust in Jesus. Father, we are just thankful that we are now made righteous before you, and our price of sin was already paid through the cross of Jesus. Father, we still recognize our sin that, that still remain in us. So, Father, please continue to, to guide us and, and, and encourage us by sending us your, your Holy Spirit so that we can, we can guard our hearts uh, as we seek to, to remember and, and follow your, your law as, as much as we can in, in our, our life, our, our regenerated life that is given through your Son, Jesus, the Son of Righteousness. So, Father, please be with us as we commence our new week as your people. Please place your law in our hearts so that we can always remember and, and follow your law in order to love you as, as, as our Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.